combination of velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Club rugby podcast by the fans for the fans plugging the boys in blue black and white my name is Gabriel and happy new year to all Bath fans and happy new year to my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom happy new year mate how are you doing I'm very well thank you um a little bit of time between drinks again for us part-timers these days certainly are um I guess we start there with an apologies to listeners we did say we would come back after the Quinns game, but um, just couldn't quite logistically get ourselves together to do that one. Um, get ourselves decomatized from all the Christmas food and drink. And yeah, it got away from us a little bit, didn't it? And celebrating being top at Christmas and watching a fair bit of the darts as well. Um, so we have got two games to cover. We've also got about an hour and a half until... Luke Littler takes on Luke Humphreys in the final of the World Darts Championship. You'll all know, already know the score um, as you're listening to this, but we're excited for that one. So two games to cover, New Year's resolutions to cover, a little bit of an England preview to come, and also then look ahead to the game against Gloucester at the Rec this Sunday afternoon. So plenty to get to, Tom. Um, and I think maybe let's start... Um, with uh, a little New Year's resolution before we get into the the crux of, of the podcast and, and the two games that we're going to talk about. This is the time for New Year's resolutions. Have you got one for yourself as a Bath fan, for the Bath team, anything like that? I said to you about five minutes ago that I'd think about this during the podcast, so I didn't realise <laughs> we were going straight into this. Um, I'll, I'll go a little bit left field. We've mm. we've had a, a feature that I know you've been pushing for me to stop recently. The the old Zach Mercer watch. It still hurts even in 2024 that he left us those those few seasons ago. But after what was a, a not so enlightening performance in at, at Twickenham, a, a big game, a game of course which we won against Quinns last season. Um, I commit uh, I commit this year to. To, to, to put a stop for the to the to the to the Zap Mercer watch and move on to, to to bigger and better things. Fitting timing, of course, Tom, with him putting in a pretty poor showing at Twickenham on a Saturday game, yeah. or, or whenever that was, and then um, and then of course with Bath facing him at the wreck for the first time since his return. Good time for you to put the Zach Mercer watch to bed. Happy New Year with that one. My New Year's resolution, I think, is pretty simple for me this year. little change in circumstances for myself, which I won't go into too many details on, which has freed me up a little bit more on weekends. Um, so New Year's resolution is to go to more Bath games. I missed out on a few away trips with yourself mm. at the back end of last season, um, which potentially spurred those changes in circumstances. So yeah, looking to go to more games at the rec and more away days and can't wait to follow the boys in blue, black and white, even closer than I already do. Certainly happy to, to help you facilitate that one. <laughs> Let's get back into it. And we will be now back as we come into the new year onto our normal recording schedule We'll record um, on Tuesday night. The podcast will be back with you on Wednesdays after every game. Um, so, yeah, just a little apologies for the, the kind of delay that we've had over the last month or so. Um, but we are back now. And thank you very much for, for sticking with us and hope you enjoy. Um, hope you had a great Christmas period and enjoy a really, really wonderful 2024. We've got two games to talk about, Tom. And let's start with the positive. The first one, of course, the game on the 23rd of December at the Rec against Harlequins. A five-point victory, Quinns themselves getting nothing from the game. A 25-17 win, sent us top at Christmas. We were the Christmas number one. 
a really great feeling for for Bath fans. Christmas number one with uh, with Finn Russell, the the star at the at the top of the tree. It was billed, wasn't it, as the you know the the Finn Russell versus Marcus Smith contest. And yeah, when we when we previewed it, you know, in front of a, a already a already sold out uh, wreck at the time. I wasn't expecting it to be kind of the humdinger that it was. It was a real, real good game to go and watch. We we couldn't be there, but I I picked out you know let's let's try and dominate them more time. Let's try and be really disciplined, mm. um, and let's try and stop them getting over the game line and stop them them mm. scoring those those really fluid tries that they do. And we did that pretty effectively. Mm. But what I was so impressed by and so entertained with was just the way that we played with with ball in hand. It mm. was some there were some stunning tries scored. By, by Bath on the day. It was beautiful to watch. Well, let's get into to those tries scored. Was there a favourite that you had? It might have even been the try that wasn't scored that was your favourite, which we'll get to. I think, yeah, that was just obviously the spectacular skills by 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 Ben Spencer. But I think probably my, my favourite try was just the... What was that? Was it the, the first try that we we scored when the, the conversion got, got chalked off, strangely, as well? Ben Spencer puts in a... Uh, a perfectly weighted box kick. Will Muir gets there, importantly, gets up to compete. Isn't really in a position to catch the ball, but makes it messy. We retain possession. A couple of phases on. Alfie Barbary carries mm. again. And he carried three of the, the first few carries that we made. And then just a lovely combination of hands. Quick ball from the base. Max at first receiver. Shifts on to Finn Russell in, in more space. Finn Russell very, very deftly delays the pass out to Ollie Lawrence so that he's already kind of behind his, his man, and then gives it out to, to Big Joe, who streaks down the, the right wing and, 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 and finishes off one of two very, very impressive mm. finishes in, in what's been an impressive season for him. Mm. So I just like that maybe not the most spectacular, but I think it was the most cohesive and the most uh, demonstrative of the, dem- of, of the, the improvements that we've made mm. under Lee Blackett this season, mm. who I think deserves a lot of credit. He certainly deserves a lot of credit. That, that was a really, really great try. You're right, it was cohesive, wasn't it? They identified the space and they took it. And the way that they ran their lines off the back of that, Russell, Lawrence, and then Thock and Asiga, and then Lawrence to run that really smart kind of almost blocking line on, on Esther Hazen as he accelerated through to try and tackle Big Joe. Yeah, it, it was a great try. I thought, you're right, Joe's second try was was another fantastic try. Probably an even better finish from, from Big mm. Joe. You know, we go through some nice faces into the second half now, of course. We go through some some nice phases. It's being really nicely orchestrated by, by Finn Russell. Um, and it gets to Joe. And he kind of, we've got the perfect angle, the way that TNT had the camera on the day, is that he kind of is is there and the line is there, but he's got sort of two or three Quinns players who are scrambling across the beat. And I would say 80%, eight, 75-80% of wingers in the Premiership don't finish that. But Joe is turning into a proper tasty winger. Finishing skills have gone up so nicely over the last couple of years. He seems to have that slight yard of pace back, acceleration, and I think confidence back as well. I thought both of his finishes were really, really good. Proper winger finishes where you just give them in space and you say, right, you've got a score. You've got 10, 15 metres to make, a couple of bodies in front of you get to the line, Muir does it, and I think Joe does it on the other side now. Yeah, and I think it, it definitely helps having the the the, 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 the you know the um, the playmakers that we have inside, yeah. particularly Russell and, and 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 Max I thought who 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 played well as well. And then a big ball carrying centre which we obviously were lacking mm. prior to Ollie Lawrence joining us and that just draws defenders, that gives him space. We, he, he has he has a herb pace on the ball and is is able to show those those physical attributes that that we know who's got. Should we just? I know we're going to talk England, but mm. why don't we just pepper it in as we as we talk about these guys? The wing department for England is probably one that we're going to see changes with Johnny May retiring, Anthony Watson just returning, Elliot Daly possibly, uh, you know, over the hill as far as his England career goes. <laughs> Henry Arundel now unavailable as well as we know. Is so, he unavailable though? Yeah, unavailable for the Six Nations. Because he was initially going to be available, but is it because he's signed? Now he's renewed. He, okay, yeah, he won't. He won't be available for I think the next two Six Nations, as far as I know. So yeah, do you think there's a space for Big Joe? Do you think he's? Do you think? Because from my point of view, I think this is the best season he's had since mm. he burst onto the scene with Irish and then that first season at mm. Bath. But when he's played for England, he has 
he has disappointed for the majority of performances, mm. I'd say, particularly when he's had a chance recently. So do you think he... Would you like to see him get a chance? I'd love to see him get a chance. I, I, I've always loved Big Joe in a bar show. I, I really have. Do I think he'll get a chance? No. I think the things that he's doing really, really well are probably not the things necessarily that are valued, certainly by... Um, Steve Borthwick and also at international level you know it's the things that Will Muir does really well yeah. it's the finishing it's the um, linking of attack it's the running ability that, that both of them are showing are showing that they can do but I just think the kicking the gathering the, the sort of um, game management's not the right word for the winger but the sort of base the basic skills I would say that they, that they, that they have high balls Collecting kicks, yeah. um, that stuff is just is probably not still there for for Thomas Eager. Certainly isn't there for for Muir. And I think you can get probably get away with that at, at Premiership level, but can you get away with that international level? Maybe not. Um, so I would I'd be surprised to see either of the Bath wingers in there. I know it's going to be a big squad, so potentially in 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 the in the forty, yeah. whoever he's going to name. Um, but I think. As those cuts come down, I, I, I would be surprised. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree. I mean, we don't want to labour this one and get into the weeds already, but the wingers that have had real success for England and have, have thrived in recent years are those who do have that positional game management aspect to their games. Wow. Like an Elliot Daly. Or they haven't a, thrived. They haven't thrived, but they've been picked mm. and they've been successful. And I think if you look at mm. genuine, uh, pure finishers, guys like... Joe Cocknessia and someone even like Ollie Hassel Collins who came in more recently, they've they've struggled to to you I'd know, say operate Hassel, as test match animals in the same way. So I'd say Hassel Collins has, has got a shout. But let, let's not get too deep into the weeds of the England squad. We will come on to that in a little bit more, well, more detail. But you did mention Will Muir and why don't you why don't you for those who haven't seen it and you should mm. definitely go and watch it, why don't you touch on the try that wasn't? Yeah, you they will have all seen it at this point, I'm sure. But yeah, Muir it's kicked to Muir, and I think it's almost expected by the Quinn's defenders that he's just going to return the kick because that is what most wingers in the Premiership would do in that scenario. But uh, he identifies that that he's got Don Brandt and another uh, Quinn's forward in front of him, and he just goes round them um, in the, in the way that Muir does with with that long stride, the horse in action, offloads it behind Spencer, who somehow gathers it behind him and then brings it forward. Ben should probably offload it to Thokonasiga and we, we would score, but he doesn't, gets tackled and then Kerr dives on top of him. The ball does eventually get um, recycled and Jones scores. But yeah, it's, it's deemed, I guess, that it's knocked on by Spencer, which is why they have to go back. But obviously the knock-on was caused by um, Care coming in, not only from in the side, not even in the side, from the wrong side completely. Um, but also completely off his feet. So Kerr gets the yellow card. It isn't deemed enough to be a yellow card. Um, to me, it almost looked like it was stripped. And, and if it's stripped, is that a knock-on? But I think it was it, the, the view of the officials was that Spencer knocked it on, but the knock-on was caused by, by Kerr. Really frustrating because that would have been one of the tries of the season, absolutely. One of the, you know... Great break, but the individual skill from from Spencer was wonderful. I know you were disappointed to see Maxime get one chalked off. Absolutely, yeah. I'd love to see tries of the season finished by finished finished by Jones. It was um, an interesting first half. It wasn't clear on TV, but Johan van Graan kind of mm. mentioned in his uh, in his interview that he did midway through that first half that the wind was a real real issue. I mean, it was against us in that first half. So I think it was very much, can we cling on? Can we stop Quinns pinning us back? And we, we did so. We were 8-5 ahead at half-time mm. and managed to, 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 to keep pretty much parity in terms of possession and territory. Going into that, that second half, mm. gee, um, Danny Kerr still off the field for the first part of that. We had the win behind us. We had a bit more ball. And I think we made that pay pretty effectively. Well, three tries in in the second half. One of them during that period where Kerr was off, but it was a mall try. Two of the tries were from the mall. Elliot Stook and Miles Reed getting over and the Thock and the Seager try that we've always we've already spoken about. I thought it was a really really good second half performance. Quinn's got into it, you know, hanged on in there with a, with a Walker try and then a late Chisholm try of their own, but. I thought we we kind of showed in that second half that, that we were the better side. 
Um, yeah, I, I thought we started to dominate territory. We started to dominate up front. Um, and yeah, I, I thought Russell got the upper hand and, and, and a lovely bit of skill from him to mm. sound the 50-22, which ultimately led to, to, the, to the final try. Um, kicking from both tens was, was not great on the day. I think we missed three or four conversions, potentially down to, to those conditions. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was one of our better second half performances of the season. Real tight game going into that, that second half. A lot on the line, first place on the line. And, and I thought the way we managed it and, and the way we controlled it was, was really impressive. It's, it's a good Quinn side. It's a Quinn side that would have battered us last season and certainly the, the few mm. seasons before. So I was really proud of that result. Yeah. I, I was. To go top as well, you could see how much it the players were pleased and everyone, you know, obviously all the fans were, were buzzing to go in to a, a blue, black and white Christmas, top of, top of the pops. And you, you mentioned the Maul tries. We, we talk about the attacking <coughs> weapons that we have out wide, but the Maul continues to be the source, main source of our, our tries. And we showed some really good organisation there. Quinn's trying to disrupt our Maul, reforming experienced heads in that pack who know how to get the ball over the line there. And the other thing is just discipline. Yeah. Six penalties, again, in, in that game. So that brings it up to 16 penalties in total across the, the three prior games. Two wins in Europe and then a win against Quinns at home. So, you know, we would have two seasons ago con- consistently be conceding 16 penalties. I think our average oh. a couple of seasons ago was something like 15.5. So, yeah, it's um, we're doing all the right things. And, yeah, I, I, I think that was a, a polished professional mm. performance. Mm. Few names to to pick out. Russell's best game probably in a bar shirt. Reed, a poor missed tackle on on Smith um, for Quinn's first try, but then got a crucial turnover just before half time, and then ultimately was the 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 guy who crashed over with the late try. We've already mentioned um, uh, Big Joe Thokinasiga, of course. Um, I thought for me though those were. Those were the three standouts for, for, from a Bath point of view. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think everyone was pretty solid across the board as well. Alfie Barbary continues to mm. be a very willing carrier. I think he had 14 carries as well and was 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 top there once again. So, yeah, um, solid performance all round. I think no 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 real weaknesses. You mentioned that the missed tackle on Marcus Smith. He does that to teams, and you know that would be something that we should learn to be a bit tighter against him. But I think all in all. Um, all in all, very good. Yeah, and, and good to see Dunny coming on in the second half. This is, of course, the Bath Rugby Plug brought to you by Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers. Get yourself down to the Black and White Butcher. Um, nice little Sunday hog roast. Sunday hog roast this Sunday at the Rec when we play Gloucester. Um, and do check out their Instagram at Black and White Butchers if you want to keep your taste buds raring after I'm sure was a was a big Christmas for, for all Bath fans on that front. Yeah, really glad to have Dunny's support continuing into 2024 um, and yeah, continue to watch this space on the partnership between Bath Rugby Plug and Black and White Butchers. A great feeling then, Tom, all around the club. We were top at Christmas. I know we were absolutely buzzing when we, we watched that game together. You can see the photo, I'm sure, on, on Twitter. Maybe it was on Instagram as well. Um, no, and I got some comments on that addressing the fact that I, was, I wasn't I was wearing any bath stash. I was. It was below the table. They weren't oddball boxes. They weren't budgie smugglers, sorry. They were... Um, just just some bath trackies, and I was in a, a bull's top. It was pretty cold out where we mm. where we were, but um, didn't pack the bath shirt. And what a mistake that was! But yeah, we we loved watching that one. Absolutely did buzzing we were, and then we saw the team selection for Tigers post Christmas, and this one certainly caused a stir. Um, ultimately, went to Welford Road and lost thirty five points to twenty two. Got nothing. From the game, Tigers themselves taking the, the full five points. That leaves us not top at New Year, instead fourth at New Year in an incredibly tight, tight table, which just which sees just three points between um, Northampton in first and, and Harlequins in sixth. Um, and we really need to talk about team selection, Tom. I think it was 12 changes to the match day, 15 Um 
and lots of changes on the bench with yeah debut for Brendan Owen and, and a couple of other really inexperienced guys coming off the bench. This one, I think, has split opinion amongst Bath fans. It was revealed by Lee Blackett in his interview pre-match with TNT Sports that this game was penned as one for rotation right at the start of the season, so we can get into what you think about that. Um, but I'll just set the table. It, you know, it's a, a big game, a rival game. Leicester's often described as the oldest rival. Um, they'd sold uh, a number of tickets, um, and a lot of Bath fans would have would have made the trip up. You know, I'm just looking at a tweet that we got from Roger um, Wiltshire, who says may prove to be the right decision, but after 300 miles in the car and 200 pounds spent on tickets, fuel, and food, it was an extremely disappointing day completely understand where Roger is coming from but then if you kind of look at the other side of the argument Laurie Cantor pro golfer got in touch with us <laughs> saying very sensible long season good to see some of the younger guys Harris Etz all give a run we will be in the playoffs in the summer I'm certain this is a special squad and a proper coaching start a lot of discourse around the team selection and ultimately what transpired at Welford Road, Tom. Where do you stand? It's difficult, isn't it? I think <clears throat> we knew from the start of the season that we would have to rotate our side. We have 16 games on the bounce in the Premiership and Europe. No rest weeks up until the Six Nations. So I think everyone agrees that we need to rotate the side, right? No player can play all those games. So I think the option, therefore that you have and the, the decision that you have to make is do you rotate in complete fashion like we did against Leicester and we did against Sale and send essentially a second string side across mm. the board or do you play a slightly weakened side and leave out four or five players in every game and rotate gradually and I think the way I would view it is that your best chance of maximising the number of points you have is if you take the approach that that, that we've taken, right? You see those two teams announced, and yeah, we are essentially throwing the game. Best case scenario, as we did against Sale, is we manage mm. to get a point against them, either a you know, losing bonus point or a, uh, or a or a four try bonus point. But I think that this decision will come to pay dividends. To to, to be honest, I think it's a it's an away game. It's a a good time to rest players. They can go away over Christmas and, and New Year and spend time away with their families, get a proper break and not have to be in training during that Christmas and New Year period. You know, many of the players were didn't travel and, and were allowed to go home. So I think I can completely understand the argument of fans that went and of, of neutrals of the game who want to see a close game against those rivals. But from my point of view, I think looking at it completely rationally, what is Jürgen van Graan's primary objective? to get to the top four. That's all we need to do in the Premiership as, 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 as far as it goes. It's extremely tight. I think it's three points between, um, is it three points between sixth and first or mm -hmm. something 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 yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, Leicester in seventh, right? So um, Leicester in seventh or sixth? Anyway, Leicester below us in the table. So to me, it feels like pure risk and reward. It's a sensible uh, fixture to try and rotate. And I do think that come the end of the season, it gives us the best chance of getting top four, and that's that's the end ultimately. Yeah, I, I do think there can be a little bit more. I just think that we could have sent a side that could have got one, two points there. You know, you look at the sales side that we sent, and the, the, the sales side was 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 much more experienced than than this side. Russell, for example, started the toy starting. Um, <clears throat> Gallagher and yeah it, it's similar but then look at the bench the bench is, is, is much more experienced with Redpath, Spencer and Dunn on it and I do just think you, that there was probably a balance that we may have been able to strike I'm not sure I buy the point about Christmas New Year players and fans maybe don't want to hear that I know uh, but in terms of giving, that's relevant. giving players a, a bit more of a proper break I think it's a sensible time to do it in the context of several season that's not that's not the main point I can just see why the timing I can see why at the start of the season when they were looking at the fixture list I can see why that fixture was penned I don't love that either because I'd rather rest against Gloucester this weekend you know this I think you maybe need to take the context of each game did they did they look at Leicester away and think 
we're going to send, like they may have done sail away and go, we're going to send this uh, a much changed side because we think Leicester are going to be flying and we won't have a chance. I think we can send a side there with a little bit more experience that can get a couple of points against Leicester and then we can send a side with a little bit less experience and get five points against Gloucester. And I think you probably need to take into the context of the season what you're actually doing. And I, I didn't like the fact that they got the fixture list at the start of the season and they went that one, that one. That, I think they, that I don't like. They would have put a rough structure on it. Obviously, they there would have been flex with that. I don't imagine they're picking their sides for the season, for you know, for every game of the season, for the mm. start of the season. I don't think I agree with though with the point about Gloucester, right? So I think as we'll come on to the thirty-five twenty-two scoreline, there probably flatters us a bit. I think if Leicester maintain the intensity that they did during that first half, it could be very, very nasty that. As such, you know, they maybe dropped off, we battled hard and we stopped them scoring after the 44th minute. This is a very, very good Leicester side, in my opinion. And I think the chance of us winning that game with a full strength or maybe, or let's say, a slightly improved team there and the chance of us getting more points out of that, I think, is, is obviously greater but I think the percentage play there is to play your strongest side at home at Gloucester and essentially mm. guarantee yourself five points or give yourself the best chance of five points. It, I think like if you if you switch around what we're going to do, yeah, we didn't get any points from that. I think it's still, for me, a good call. Gloucester becomes massive. They, they have to get five points against yeah. Gloucester, otherwise it's uh, it, yeah, you know it looks really really bad. And I think the the context I think is key. And I, I you know. Did they think they'd have 10 points from 10 in Europe? Can they rest away at Toulouse when, they, when they've already qualified? This is what I think maybe was lost. I think we could have maybe sent a slightly stronger team. And I don't like yeah. the fact that it does feel a little bit like they decided this was going to be rested. And I do feel like that Christmas, New Year thing maybe had a part to play in that. And I don't, I don't like that aspect. And I do really feel for, for Bath fans that, that, were, that when I, I considered going myself, I didn't, definitely wasn't going to go when I saw the teams. Um, so I think, I think the, other, the other thing to bear in mind as well, well, a couple of things, is that the international players, particularly guys that have played in the World Cup, will almost certainly have some kind of quota on the number of games they can play. Not Scotland. There was, well, so I was reading an article earlier in the week that was saying that, that <clears> Russell <throat> does have a, a, a quota of games on his contract with Bath. I can't remember I saw that. Maybe it was on... Um, on, an, on another podcast, obviously the England guys hmm. will do. Sam Underhill injured. Uh, Ollie Lawrence presumably will have a quota on games that he can play. So there's that to, there's that yeah. to factor in as well. I do agree with you though that I think there were a couple of key positions that we probably should have strengthened. So sending a hooker out there on debut against Leicester away, I think, and then the line out capitulating in the way it did. I think is was a poor decision. Mm-hmm. You know, Nile not played a huge amount of rugby this season and he wasn't even on the bench. I think he should have been starting and maybe helping to 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 shore up that. Even a guy like, you know, Elliot Stuke, who's come in recently, having not played a huge amount of rugby prior to that at Montpellier, he could probably go and bolster that pack a bit as as it was. You know, we had a um, you know, a second string side. But but let's not forget, it's second string, but there are still some quality players in there. So you look at, you know, Will Stewart in there, Josh McNally Van Belter, Chris Clurter, Jakob Kutsir, that's five guys, even Duran Schumann, that's five guys in that mm. pack who are experienced. Quinn Rue as well. So it's not like it's the kids, mm. but it is second string. Um, and yeah, I think in summary, I think you're absolutely right. It will, We'll only know if it's the right decision in a, in a few games' time. Mm. I think time yeah. will tell for that. Yeah, time will tell. It didn't help as well that Miles Reed, you know, a guy who's yeah. played so much rugby, was yeah. named on the bench and then was ruled out. Looked like it was in the warm up, and the young man Arthur Green, you know, it did eventually come on for for his Bath debut. That yeah, the bench was was extremely yeah. inexperienced. And three, 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 no wingers, three fullbacks in the side essentially. Mm. Um, you know, with with Sam Harris at fullback, and then De Glanville his first ever his first Premiership start on the wing. <laughs> And then Matt Gallagher That's moving across that. to I, yeah, I moving thought across he played to, there. Yeah, I, I think generally, generally he, he certainly did at the start of the game. He had a try. He ever tried this loud? We had the one where he was high tackled. Should have been a penalty try, um, but no, it wasn't allowed. Yeah, because I mean, we we started him 
pretty good fashion, didn't we? Maybe should we just we don't want to yeah, labour yeah. all of the that's, seven, that's... five tries or whatever they were, but early interception. Yeah, Schroeder interception, I suppose, maybe gave us a little bit of hope. <laughs> I'm not sure it really did. Um, a nice bit of play from him, and, and we did lead um, 7-0 at the start. But I think it became clear that the pack that, that Leicester had, um, what they pride themselves on, was, was going to kind of take control of the game. And and they are a good side. Like They're a nice side. I think I said, you know, when we were talking about the table and how it's going to play out, I fancy them top four. I know they're, whatever mm. they are, sitting in seventh at the moment. And it's essentially a seven-team league with Newcastle, Gloucester and <laughs> Bristol, um, you know, probably going to be those those three at the bottom. Uh, but Leicester in seventh. But I'd be very shocked if they're not top four. I mean, you know, having a guy like Jasper Visa at eight, George Martin, Oli Chesham as a second row partnership, Julian Montoya at hooker, that is, that yeah, is it's that's, tasty. It's tiny. It's tasty and it's certainly... Told, I mean, first try was was a tight pick and go, as was the second, um, and then a more, two more tries just either side of half time. We hung in it, I suppose, um, but I think there was a, a period where when Belzer went down to to a yellow card, we were down to fourteen men, and we conceded three tries in I think it was fourteen minutes. We looked the much weaker pack, the much less organised pack. Um, and that, that really told, unfortunately. And um, we also looked like a team who, who hadn't kind of played a lot together, which which clearly was the case. They looked disjointed. There was two or three or four occasions where the pass went behind and into touch or behind and, and had to be regathered. The Mike Brown try comes from Harris coming out of the line, not drifting, and just the defensive line looking not as organised as it did against Quinns and has, as it has done um, throughout the season. Mike Brown, by the way, definitely slots in alongside Callum Sheedy in the most unlikable 15 in the well, Premiership. playing wing, wasn't he? Huh? Playing wing, I think, on the day. Well, yeah, yeah he'll be even, in the most in unlikable show. 15 of the Premiership. Well, I'll tell you who possibly will be the most unlikable former Premiership 9 in um, in the league or in the refereeing yeah. department. Yeah. And that was that was Carl Dixon, and I, you know, we don't referee bash on this podcast. We we rarely referee uh, uh, bash on this this podcast. They do a very good job, in my view, majority of the time. But there were some decisions that did not help us, shall we say? And we got on the wrong side of the referee. We we were not showing the right picture, and he he made us pay. I mean, that penalty try, clear knock on in the lead up to that, and then a couple of phases later. Moore goes over and he's very happy to give that penalty try and then another yellow card mm. to Yaku Kutsia. So we're down, you know, 10, 20 minutes either side of half time with, with 14 men. He didn't help us. Yeah, there's there's so many decisions at the breakdown, at the mall, that are just like 55-45, right? And I feel like with these two sides that are out there, we needed things to go our way and they, they went the complete opposite of our way. I think... The initial penalty count, I think it did actually even itself out in, in the second half. But I think the initial penalty count was sort of eight penalties to two in, in that second half. And yeah, I'm not going to referee bash. I wasn't that happy when I saw Dicko. Um, but I do think, generally speaking, they all do a decent job um, and a very, very tough job. But yeah, it didn't help. And when you're on the back foot and you can see your yeah. tries and you're clinging on and you're, you're you probably need... offside and you're off your feet, you just need something to go your way yeah. and it didn't. And 11 penalties, you know. So we've spoken about the numbers in the last few games. Um, not not that surprising. And yeah, the, the line-out and scrum struggled massively against what is a, a strong mm. Leicester side. And I would have a strong Leicester pack in that department and I'd really like to see our first-choice pack yeah. um, shape up against them at, from that point of view. Because we were dominated on both sides of the ball at line-out. And, and I think we... You know, we'll maybe come on to the second half and, and what, what we did a little bit better. But I think what frustrated me a lot was we just kicked way, probably not even way too much, but just aimlessly in that first half. Like, I don't think it was Orlando's best game. He got hauled off after 60 minutes, which I'm, you know, extremely disappointing for him. Um, and Harris looks a, a great running threat, but every time he got the ball, he kicked it away. There was one occasion in the first half where he takes it and he's looking like he's going to make a break. And he's got Joe Hayes, the tight head, in front of him. And he just kicks it downfield. And it's like, 
go on. Like, we're up against it here. You have got brilliant running ability from what I've seen. Take him on and, and give it a go. And it just felt like they were they were told that they needed to, to play sensibly. And I don't think either Bailey or Harris had the experience necessarily to take it upon themselves to, to know when to, to follow that and then know when to, to go for yeah. it and actually back yourself. And it just felt like we didn't really give our backs a chance in that first half in particular. Like Jones barely got a run. And, and yeah, it was a little bit frustrating. Well, just, yeah, just on that point, it was, you're right. We'd clearly set a plan which is very um, oriented around, around our kicking game. Um, and it was almost reminiscent of England in the kind of final throws of Eddie Jones when we clearly was, had this game plan in place and we were just not willing or able to, 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 to deviate from it. And I would say that it also shows the drop-off that we have from our first-choice backline and our first-choice primary decision-makers in Ben Spencer and, and Finn Russell and then Matt Gallagher, whoever's playing fullback in that more mm. cohesive unit. It's that ability to play with your head up and say, if this is on, I'm going to change from the plan. But I need, yeah. I have to re- make that decision quickly and execute it. Whereas I think, you know, these guys who are clearly talented players and, and have got a lot of promise, I think they were fairly rigidly stuck mm. to it and probably a little bit overawed against a much more experienced Leicester fan and, a, you know, and, 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 and Welford Road and, and you know, 20 odd thousand fans there. Mm. And a pack that's going backwards. So it's not easy. It's brutal. It's very, very difficult. I, I don't, I don't really blame. Um, I, don't, I don't really blame these guys because I think you know, as, as we've said, when we saw those team sheets, it did feel a little bit like we were we were playing for pride and possibly a point, but 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 no more than that. I would say though, and you know, I think you often see teams drop off intensity when they know the game's won and the game was won, but it was impressive the fight that we showed in that second half, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Under previous, I think I tweeted this, under previous regimes, you know, it's cheap, not, diff- cheap deck chair. not difficult to, to think what I'm referring to. That's a 60, 70 pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there'll be an element of pride there from, from Johan um, and from some, some of the guys that, that I felt like really, Sean, um, I thought Gallagher actually, weirdly from wing, showed a lot of leadership in that second half. He was really rallying the troops um, and kind of bringing bringing the other the other um, guys with him. Um, I thought you and Richards made a decent impact off the bench. Um, Hennessy, it was great to see him get over. I think Richards and Hennessy were the, were the two try scorers that we had. So we mm. did get three tries. Nearly got, you know, obviously nearly got that fourth. Could have potentially had it with the the Glanville ruled out penalty try, um, and I think that that was promising. You know, we were nowhere near, um, and I think Leicester probably had two or three more gears. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to see they didn't roll over and get their bellies tickled, which we have seen countless times doing this podcast over the last five six seasons. Is it starts to go wrong, and they just yeah. They just get their bellies tickled by by a better side. That didn't happen, and I think that was pleasing to see. But it's important to to remember, I think that that they were considerably the better side. Yeah, and guys fronted up, right? Quinn Rue put in nineteen tackles. Mm. I remember a, a really um, clutch turnover by Chris Clerter mm. on the line. They had quick ball, and you think one more phase there, and they they score in the in the corner and he got over the ball and he won that turnover. Mm. And they were celebrating it. You know, they were enjoying it. They were mm. taking pride in the fact that they were hanging in there. And yeah, that's 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 kind of all you can ask for when you are outgunned in that way. You mentioned some of the younger players there though. Um one guy that, you know, I was disappointed with was was Will Stewart. Mm. I think yeah. when you are an international player, when you're a particularly in the tighter prop shirt, right? When you can make an impact in that kind of game, I think it's really incumbent on those players to step up and to lead others and to be at the forefront of it. And I felt like he was quite anonymous, to be honest, and he kind of drifted through the game. He dropped a couple of balls. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, scrum wasn't particularly effective as well. And I think in that game, you want to see, if you're Steve Borthwick, you want to see Will Stewart standing up and, and leading there 
and he didn't, and I don't think that did his his stock any good, to well, be honest. Well, let's, let's go straight into it. Um, that was, of course, a, a loss for Bath, leaving us in fourth place. And it will be interesting bearing those two results in mind and all of the festive rugby that we saw as to whom Steve Borthwick will pick in his wider Six Nations squad picked this week, of course. And Tom, I believe you've been scouring the, the league and, and the Bath squad in particular with your bold Steve Borthwick hat on um, and coming up with an idea of who might be in with a shout, who's in, who's on the bubble um, and who might be missing out on the England squad. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with guys that we're, we're certainly expecting to, mm. to feature. So Ollie Lawrence being being the first man. Yeah, um, start. Yeah, Tuilangi Marchant injured or, or, or moved on and obviously no Farrell option. So that's very open indeed for, for him. I think, yeah, the interesting one of the interesting dilemmas that Borfitt's got is in the twelve shirt, right? Like we we haven't been able to fill that berth for 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 the longest time, and we've seen Farrell playing there for years as as a result. And so it's going to be interesting to see what he he does in that department. Henry Slade is obviously a, a thirteen missed out of the World Cup. Does Ollie Lawrence move to twelve and Slade to thirteen, as I think you you might think happen, or? Does Borthwick start to have a look at more genuine twelves in the league? So thinking of guys like Dingwall or Freeman at Saints, who both play their Seb Atkinson at Gloucester, or do we see Max Jomo given another <laughs> Jones, Maxine. Why don't we see him given another punt in what we're expecting to be a 40-42 man squad? So I think in terms of bolters, we could see Max, who at times this season has looked at million dollars. You know, even he had that incredible break. <laughs> against Leicester, admittedly then threw a 20-yard pass into touch, but he set up that Louis Hennessy try. He had a fantastic game against uh, Gloucester at, at Kingsham as well. So he's shown glimpses this season and has been sharing the the 12 shirt at Bath with Cam Redpath as much as, as much as you don't want to see that, G. So, yeah, potential <laughs> potential bolter there in the centre for, for our man Max. Um, and then, And then, yeah, I think in terms of other guys surely we expect to come in surely we expect to see Ben Spencer in the squad <laughs> it's not going to happen I, I think it will I think it will I mean okay we look at the three nines that went to to the World Cup in Kerr Youngs and and, uh, and and Mitchell JVP still not back from injury so Kerr surely is is, is races run Ben Youngs obviously retired they'll pick they'll pick Just three War or something it's a family show um, but they, uh, we, we, I mean, they're fine. We, we expect them, expect them to pick three, and I mean, particularly if the rumours about you know the Owen Farrell riff are true, with him not being involved, I do not understand, particularly with Steve Orthwick's game plan, what he can be watching and not pick the guy that is probably the player of the Premiership so far this season. I'd make so, him skipper. Four caps for that level of talent and what he has shown even recently and at the age of 31, 32. So still plenty of time in the tank. I mean, if he doesn't get in, then yeah, I don't know. But we, we, we can't bang his drum enough right. on this on this podcast. So possibly possibly Ben Spencer. Mm. And then maybe I'll pass on to you, G, because there's not a lot of talking. Back row is a really mm. interesting one for us because... Mm. All three starting back rowers in the England semi-final team, so Laws, Underhill and Laws, uh, Earl and Curry are retired or injured. We've got a few lads that could potentially fill that berth. Alfie Barbary come in? I think Alfie Barbary's got to come into the squad. Um, I think the eight shirt is, is going to be fascinating, isn't it? Um, Don Brandt is, to me, not playing great stuff. Mercer. Who, sorry? Who's the, who's the second one? Oh, Zach Mercer. Never heard of him. We're not Never allowed, heard not him. allowed not to allowed. mention him. I don't think he's been brilliant since he's he's coming back from Gloucester, and I, I don't think Borthwick rated his his Montpellier form as highly as perhaps he should have done, given he missed out on the on the World Cup squad when he was eligible. Um, Vunapola potentially be be there or thereabouts, but I, I I think it's time maybe to to move on from from that. Um, so yeah, it, that is going to be such an interesting shirt, and I think Barbary's got to be in there. I think, unfortunately, for for the two lads in question, um, both Underhill and also Ted Hill, yeah. I think they would be nigh on shoe ins for for the England squad, where they both fit. Hill's obviously out for a, a lengthy period of time, so so definitely won't feature. 
Underhill we haven't seen now for a, for a couple of weeks and, and haven't got kind of confirmation on, on the severity of his injury. So whether he features or not will, will definitely give us a, an indication of that. So I think Barbary's assert, um, and I think that will probably be the only the only back row that, that we get in. Yeah, I think I think quite possibly. And then possibly, yeah, finally, I mean, we mentioned mm. the wing berth um, earlier. Hooker, well, front row in general. So Hooker, Done. depending on how many, how many, um, yeah. how many they they take. But yeah, love to see Tom Dunn obviously get a shout. And then in terms of props, so I, I could talk about this again for a fair while. So um, and I'll, I'll try not to. But yeah, tighter prop has been as well as twelve the other position where we've just struggled to fill consistently. The fact that we had to go back to Dan Cole in the last World Cup and we've essentially lost a World Cup final and a World Cup semi final on our scrum getting battered. Is, is is testament to that, and Will Stewart had the has the opportunity to make that shirt his own, and was doing so, but I just think isn't showing the form and that 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 he needs to. So I imagine that he will feature, but whose shirt that is, whether it's Carl Sinclair's, surely Dan Cole won't feature. So whether it's someone like Joe Hayes who comes in, um, you know, maybe it's even the really young sale guy who who gets a shot in the wider forty mm. squad. I don't know, but. Expect Will Stewart to to feature and just hope that he pushes on a bit and and starts to show a bit more more form. And the other guy I think that has people that Borthwick has to be having a look at is Ben Urbano. Yeah, I mean, start one for me. Surely he he's having a great season. So effective when he plays is a real real ball carrier. I think even including Alex Gen, just the best loose head ball carrier now that that we have in the Premiership. And his scrummaging, yeah. and his scrummaging has come on a long, long way. So um, maybe, maybe I really hope that we see Benno because I think he, I, I think he deserves it. Yeah, and, and with ten teams, obviously only to, to pick from, we're likely to see a greater number of each team. And yeah, there's definitely some some bars. Likely, <laughs> most certainly. Well, they may, yeah, may just pick all Leicester players. I, I think you missed Dan Kelly in the the twelve show. I think he's going to have a great shout. Unfortunately. Um, playing there, yeah, it, it will be really interesting to see. Uh, hopefully, some some reward for the guys that are, are playing great rugby. We had Ollie Lawrence as the the Gallagher Premiership Player of the Month for October, Spenny as November, and then we've got both Barbary and Spe- uh, and Russell, excuse me, nominated for for December. You know, we're arguably the best 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 team in the Premiership. We've got to have some sort of, of representation, so it will definitely be be really interesting to see um, a team that probably won't have as much representation will be our rivals on Sunday afternoon at the Wreck, and it is of course the return of Gloucester after we handily turned them over at Kingstone earlier in the season. Gloucester since then have have kind of. Solidified their their position in the Premiership as as probably if not certainly the second worst team. They've won two from ten, lost eight, yeah. sixteen points. You know that's half the number of points that that Bath have accumulated in in that same period of time. Um, yeah, watch their game against Quinns on on Saturday or whenever that day was, and. They just were never really in touch with with Quinn's um, Mercer's back. That's all we're allowed to say on him. Gloss looked poor. Bath will surely be back to full strength. This this is one that that's got a, a win all over, it, isn't it? You you have to think so. Five points has to be the target. It's a strange old season, though, isn't it? With the Six Nations break and with the, the obviously ten teams only. It feels like we've only just played them. You know, mm. I think it was November the tenth we played them, and then we're straight back into our reverse fixture. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know how much I like how eight close these left. these fixtures are together. I know, I know. Yeah, eight games after this one, so we've we've played Leicester and Gloucester twice, or will have done after after Sunday. Yeah, Gloucester's a strange one. Seven they've, after this one. Seven after. Mm, we played Quinns twice as well. Well, we played ten as it. We're playing eighteen, and we played ten. Yeah, so we play. We must play Quinns twice as well then. Anyway, we have. Who is it then? Anyway, not good listening. <laughs> but you play 18 games, you've played 10. Yeah, so we've got seven left after yeah, this yeah. game. Yeah, I'm trying to work out who we played twice already. But anyway, we're going to talk about this after. Um, Leicester. 
Leicester and Gloucester. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It'll be Leicester and Gloucester after this. Anyway, so on to Gloucester. <laughs> you mentioned the, the, the two wins. They were the mm. first two of the season. And since then, oh, they've wow. lost eight Premiership games on the bounce, which I believe is their worst ever run in the Premiership. So they are not a sinking ship, I don't think, because you look down their squad and there's some very, very handy players in there. Mm. But yeah, I think fans and potentially players are starting to lose a bit of faith in George Skivington. Yeah. It's 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 very, very difficult. I think the halfback pairing is the weakest probably in the Premiership in Varney and, and Hastings. And I think the the flamboyance of Carreras at the back just too often lets them down. So um, I think they're a dangerous side on their day, but in terms of confidence, form, and I think just class, particularly in that halfback department, I'd expect us to have to have much too much. And um, you know, we turned them. We saw the way that we could, you know, go through them in that second half at Kingsome. And you've got to think that conditions are right that we'll we'll mm. have the same opportunity to do so. Yeah, they've got a lot of money invested. I think probably in the wrong areas. Um, in, in the back three. Yeah. And I just don't think that works. We've seen Bath give that a go and, and end up with a lot of money invested in that area. And I don't think it's invested in in the key areas, which are half-backs and front row. Um, and I think that's ultimately the areas where, where we're potentially strongest and I think where, where they're potentially weakest. Um, and that often decides where, where premiership and where generally games of rugby go. So feeling pretty confident uh, about this one. Um, we are nine point favourites generally with, with the bookies. Um, and I think, yeah, once the teams come out and if Bath do go full beans, which it would be remarkable if they didn't, um, I think, yeah, we will see ourselves being pretty confident of, of winning this one. Um, feel a bit weird being, being so confident about uh, uh, probably a non-Newcastle game for the first time in a number of years. So don't want this to, to come back to, to bite us. Enjoy the game if you are going. Thank you for listening to the Bath Rugby Plug, brought to you, of course, by Black and White Butchers. If you're going to the game, take your matchday experience to the next level by checking out their hog roast stand next to the Swift Heart. Thank you for joining Happy New Year to you, Bath fans. We'll be back, as I said, onto our usual schedule now for the remainder of the season. Um, so stick behind us and stick behind the boys. Mm-hmm.